I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, Our guest today is native New Orleanian Scott Wolf, a lawyer and entrepreneur who founded the New Orleans-based technology startup LevelSet to make payments less stressful for contractors and suppliers in the construction industry. News broke last week that California-based software company Procore will purchase LevelSet for roughly $500 million in the fourth quarter of this year. It's the largest ever VC-backed tech acquisition in Louisiana. Founded in 2012, LevelSet is headquartered in the Lower Garden District and has nearly 300 employees worldwide. Scott, congratulations on the big news and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rich. It's great to be here. Glad to be um, talking about this good news for our for our city. All right. So, what was the origin of and the idea for LevelSet? The, the it was the origin was I was in the thick of this problem in construction with. Um, yeah, I was I was kind of practicing law. I was um, in post Katrina, New Orleans. You know, there was a lot of activity with construction. I saw this problem come to my office and come across me, come come by me over and over. How hard it is to get paid. Construction payments, hard, complicated mess, full of risk, and impacts a lot of um a lot of contractors. And so, that's the origin. As I saw it as a um, problem, I have kind of a technology background, have a little bit of an entrepreneurial background. And um, I just started working on on that problem one piece at a time. So in the construction world, what's an example of how it always goes wrong? Oh, no, the, how it all, it all. Well, it always goes wrong. And there's a lot of examples. Um, as they say, every happy family is happy for the same reason. And every sad family is um, is kind of sad for different reasons. Um you know, the, the, every pro- project is delayed. There's a lot of risk. There's, there's money that slips through the cracks. I always say, imagine a building and you imagine a skyscraper and how difficult it must be for the, the electrical socket to get to the exact right place. It starts on a plan, right? And imagine all the coordination to get that electrical socket to be installed at the exact right time and the exact right place. And, um, Every construction project is like this with so many stakeholders that have to kind of really coordinate like an orchestra. And it's just as difficult and nuanced to get the money to go through all those different hands. And so much can go wrong with disagreements, um, scheduling problems, um, just the fact of moving money around and how people are using money. And um, as a result, you see, you see all kinds of all kinds of problems where um, it just creates a, a bad outcome. In addition to Rich, what's interesting in construction is they get paid on average in 90, more, 90 days or more. So it's the, the slowest payment cycle of any industry across the globe. And so the, the status quo, just how long it takes to be paid in general, is a problem. Just when it just when everything goes right. It's a cash stress problem because it's so complicated. And since it's so complicated, it takes so long. And since the contractor is waiting for their money for 90 days on average, that causes problems in itself. Now, not to get too deep in the weeds, but I know that liens yeah. play an important part of what you do. 
Can you explain to me and anyone else who doesn't understand the construction industry and liens, what is that and, and how do you guys improve that process? Yeah, you can think about it like labor laws a little bit. When you go to work, everybody who goes to work knows they're supposed to be paid. And if they don't get paid, there's consequences to companies that don't pay you. And it's the same thing on a construction project. Everybody who goes to work or supplies materials to the construction project has a lot of regulatory rights to be paid. And so there's this, there's this trick of like the companies, everybody on a job, owners, developers, GCs, they are making sure that everybody on the job actually gets paid. And everybody who's on the job is wants to make sure that they do get paid. And, the, and there's a lot of complication around um, all the rules that govern that. And that requires a lot of paperwork and a lot of like um, risk mitigation strategies. Um, and so I, I, and, and I give an analogy of like sales tax. Everybody knows that like you buy milk in Orleans Parish, you may be taxed differently than if you buy cigarettes in, um, in, in Pensacola. And as a result of that, it's complicated for software and businesses to manage the differences in all those nuances. So liens present that across the country for contractors and suppliers and developers too. It's different in every jurisdiction. It's different depending on what types of jobs are being employed. Um, and so you basically just have this, this massive regulatory kind of like burden in the process. And it really, in, at the point of payment is where it really implicates um, the industry. And so liens are a shorthand way of saying um, a guarantee that everybody gets paid and the regulation to make sure that everybody gets paid on these jobs. Understood. All right. Coming back out of that into the big picture here. I know you're a native. Yes. There must be a pull to start a company like this in one of the big tech hubs of the, of the country and world. How did it come that you started uh, your company in New Orleans? There's a lot of advantages to being based in New Orleans that I think are a huge part of our story. And um, certainly, you know, there were challenges with that. We had, especially in the early days, um, with respect to getting the, the type of capital investment in the company that we've gotten from international players. You know, one of our investors in Hong Kong, some in New York and San Francisco. There's not a lot of that money that comes to New Orleans, and that was a challenge. Um but the pros outweighed the cons and, it, and it's home. And, um, and we, you know, we put together a world-class team to build a world-class product with world-class investors and had a world-class exit. And so it could, it obviously can be done in New Orleans. And I'm, I'm infinitely grateful that we did it here. Can you talk about your experience um, coming up through the startup community here? Who, who were the, organizations or just the, the people in place that helped you guys get going? What did that yeah. mean? It was so, um, it was a great ecosystem in that, that I, I didn't really like, I was very naive early on. I didn't know very much about this. You know, I learned all this along the way. And um, I got introduced to the New Orleans Startup Fund, which was a very early investor in Level Set. And um, they kind of connected me to the Idea Village. And um, I did a lot of work with the Idea Village early, um, had really great mentors there, um, had really great investors and investor support from some of the angel investment community that was connected to the New Orleans Startup Fund. Um, there's a, um, a group like 
like operating venture capital who's run by Michael Goldner. And um, he was a major early investor. Um, we had um, a, a Meath and Abstraction Ventures, Doug Walner. Um, we had local businesses like Barrier Construction who was involved early on. Um, the GNO Inc. was really um, impactful over the years. And the, the, like, it, it's really, it was really a really great, and this is one of the pros. And interestingly, one of the pros of starting in New Orleans was how tight-knit and supportive this community was and how many resources were just so hyper-focused on the startups that we hear. Whereas if I started this in Austin or in San Francisco, we would be one of thousands and they have really great support, um, but it's different. And, and here the embrace was so um, so strong and the support was so direct that I don't know if I could have gone from zero to one anywhere else like we did here. That's encouraging. So how big has your company grown? How many employees here? How many employees elsewhere? Today, we're over 300 or so employees, maybe 315 employees, and um, the predominantly 160, I think, is the number now, 165 are here in New Orleans. Um, and the balance, we have maybe you know 25 or so remote. We have, uh, and then we have offices of about 50 to 60 people in Austin, and then also in Cairo, Egypt. Yep, why Cairo? My, my chief technology officer and I, uh, um, Hisham Yunus, who is now a New Orleans resident, um, we, we started doing business. We started working together a long time ago on like in 2008, really developed a strong relationship. He worked over the years for companies like Microsoft, um, and he was from Cairo. So it turned out that as we started to um, hire more and more engineering talent, um, you know, New Orleans does have great engineering talent. But it's not a deep pool, um, you know. Uh, Cairo's market and some of these other markets, international markets, have like maybe ten times than at least ten times the number of engineers um, that that are available in the market. And so we started to um, we started to expand a little bit there, and then it kind of grew from those original seeds. But really, because it's Cairo because of of him. I love that we're international. The, the link between those two cities is great. It's yeah, you know, it's funny. The um, the the Mississippi River, because um, Cairo is on the Nile, right? Right. <laughs> and um, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities between Cairo and New Orleans that I learned. One is we're on pretty much exactly the same point of of um, what do they call that longitude or latitude, whatever it is. We're like we're very very similar. Um, the Nile runs through Cairo. And if you follow the if you follow the Mississippi River up to wherever it ends in Missouri, it ends in Cairo. Uh, <laughs> whatever the name the name of the city is, Cairo um, in Missouri or wherever it is. So we've you know we've 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 kind of unpeeled a lot of interesting similarities between Cairo and New Orleans over the years, and it's been great. All right, so here's the big question: What does this sale mean for the New Orleans office? What's what's going to happen? Oh, that's a great thing for New Orleans. Um, it's definitely going to remain active. Um, we have a lot of talent in New Orleans, and we have a lot of work to do with this. This 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 acquisition is a very innovation driven, product driven acquisition with a lot of appetite for continued growth for Level Set. Um, and New Orleans is a huge part of Level Set. Um, it's the heartbeat of Level Set. So this is a great outcome. We're going to continue to expand. 
the New Orleans office will have another, we'll have a publicly traded company with a very large, um, very large office in New Orleans that has, that has room to grow. Um, and the, um, the people here, you know, um, that the, this outcome, it's, it's a lot of money that's being spread across, um, New Orleans, angel community, New Orleans, um, the executives at you know, the executives and the team at level set, um, who are in New Orleans, um, different investors in New Orleans. And so I'm so excited about just the halo effect this should have, um, on this, on the, on the New Orleans ecosystem, in addition to the future growth and continued prosperity that we can bring, um, in the city. So what will your role be with the new company? So my role is, um, you know, basically this company Procore is um, looking at doing a lot of innovative things in um, the financial the financial problems this construction industry has. And today they do, they they don't they don't quite do that. Um, today they they are it's it's the number one global construction technology Procore is, um, and they they have a they have a financials product that they're that they're that their users can use to manage project financials and financial um, processes on the job. But here we're looking at all types of things that we can do with, um, with the, to solve cash flow pains and solve the payment and work capital challenges of this industry. And I'm going to be um, um, and level set as a whole, right. is going to be leading that effort at Procore. And so um, my role really, you know, it's, it doesn't quite change that much, which is um, one of the exciting things here. And the resources change, the scale changes, the, um, uh, but our vision that we had before is really unaltered with the vision that we have now within Procore. And um, my role in leading that vision is really unaltered um, between now and, and moving into Procore. So I'm super excited personally. My team's really excited. And, and it's, um, it's, you know, it sounds good from, it is good from a lot of different angles. I'm thinking of Alvin Kamara or something where here, you, you know, you've been working hard, doing all this hard work here. And now it's like when they signed Kamara to the long-term deal, his position is secure and now he can go out and do his best work. Do you, do you, do you feel like you just, uh, feel that way? Yeah. I, everybody's, you know, the past day, past three days or two days, whatever it's been since we announced the whirlwind people are like, how do you feel? And I'm like, well, I feel exhausted <laughs> and I feel like there's a lot of, I feel like, I feel like work, uh, I'm working and there's a lot of work to be done. So, um, yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's a lot of validation for the work we've been doing, certainly. And I'm sure Kamara felt that way. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm validated. I, I know what I'm doing. I know how to run the football. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, we, it, it, maybe it's a great analogy because we, you know, what, what is the real driver and the motivator for me over the years and level set over the years is that we're, we're looking to solve this problem. And I wake up this morning and the next morning and I'm still, uh, we're driven to go solve that problem. And, um, and that problem, you know, is our Super Bowl. So it feels, it feels good. It feels validating. Um, we've had, financing in the past where we raise capital and it's a similar feeling it's validation for what you're doing um but there's a lot of work to be done and we're really energized this is this is really energizing to go do it
I've got two more questions, but I want to add a bonus one before I get to it, which is, is this, right. is this kind of a deal, something that felt inevitable for you for a while now, or is this something that's, that could have gone either way and, and, and this, and the, the planets align and this deal came together quickly, or is this something that you felt like, Oh, this, this the writing's on the wall. No, well, this is a small industry in the sense that construction tech is, you know, this is the second biggest venture back construction tech outcome and exit ever. So it's a small community. Um, and we, that, that, that when you, when you say inevitable, like we, we all know the, the way that the, we know where the river's running with respect to construction tech. Um, and I've been knowing the people at Procore for years, but we, this, 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 this deal came from outer space, like an asteroid um, in the sense that the, the timing of it wasn't necessarily something that we weren't working on a deal. We weren't, we weren't thinking about it. It was um, we, we were on our, we we're like living our lives, doing our, doing our thing. And um, knew that ultimately our vision and the work that we were doing had a place in a global construction platform. Um, but could it, it could have gone either way. Like we, it was a lot of it was it was a very difficult decision with respect to whether the time was right now for um, and with this partner to to do this versus say no you know what let's let's keep building this category independently and um we ultimately decided that the timing was right and this was the right partner and that is because of the the weight of how much how how much overlap there was with this particular partner with Procore and how much our vision really aligned and our teams and the culture of our teams were super aligned and um, how we felt like, wow, we can really do so much more together over the next three or four years or five years than, than if we were doing this alone. And that just really kept hitting us over the head. And it made, made it kind of obvious that it had to happen. All right. Last two questions. You, you've got a great reputation for building a strong work, workplace culture. Uh, you know, what, what is your philosophy and how has it had to evolve during the pandemic and then and the hurricanes and everything? Well, thank you. Um, I, I love, I think we have a great culture and sometimes it surprises me of just how, how, and that's the thing about culture, I think, is that it is, um, it, it, it's an organism that kind of develops on its own and you can't have some suits come in and say, wow, we have this culture problem here. Can you please tell me how to, how to, how to, um, you write us a report, tell us how to make our culture better. <laughs> um, we've just been very driven from the beginning of um be, we're a purpose-driven company um we have a mission and there's a lot of like honest commitment to that mission that drives me and it drives um everybody who walks through the doors um we have we're very um, values oriented so everybody knows um what how the organization behaves and how people in the organization um behave and that we, we live out those values with people first and culture first and um, purpose-driven people first, values oriented. And um, it sort of the score starts to take care of itself with that, you know, and the, you give the, the organization space to develop its culture 
And um, we we have great people because we hire people who who can who who really connect and identify with with the purpose that we have and the values that we have. Um, and we've been, you know, been lucky. It, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to figure out, you know, it's hard to look back. Now we have 300 plus people had this outcome. It's really hard to look back and, and see how we actually authored it exactly, but it really just comes back to people are so purpose-driven and we've been people first and culture first and, and very committed to our values through the years and they shine. Nice. All right. Last question. For almost two years, New Orleans hasn't been able to be New Orleans. No festivals, yeah. cruises, big meetings, international travelers. You know, the COVID spikes, the hurricanes, and the infrastructure challenges seem to have put us in a precarious position. In light of that, what makes you worried about the local economy's future? And what makes you feel optimistic still? Sure. Like, so worried, I can give you a precise um, example of why I'm worried, which is during this deal, it never, it never threatened the deal. Um, but during this deal, we had the COVID spike, the Delta spike, and we had the Ida and both of those occasions canceled trips from with the Procore executives coming to new Orleans, um, to work on this deal. And instead we had to meet, we met once in Seattle, we met once in Santa Barbara, we met like, we would meet all over the damn place. Um, I don't know if I can say that. We meet all over the place. You can say it. <laughs> um, can say it. With, <laughs> damn, all right, good. So we met all over the place because New Orleans kept making it impossible because of whatever thing, right? Uh, and power was out for two weeks while we're trying to get the deal closed. And it was, and it was um, frustrating. And that is, that's, that's a bad break for companies that are like ours, where we don't, we don't get the close. It, it really impacts restaurants I, and it impacts that hospitality economy in a very precise way. But it's interesting for us because we can't close the restaurant. All of our customers aren't impacted. So, um, so we can't close the restaurant. That's not, even though that's a bad option, we don't even have that option. And so that makes it really difficult where our people have to somehow our 160 people have to show up, and work in some way, shape, or form. Um, we can't close for two weeks and just take the loss. Um, that's a that's a that's actually a really advantage for us as a company. Like it's a great position for our company versus a restaurant, but it's a really bad position for us to say, well, why in the world are we in New Orleans where this happens? That's that's a that's a um, that's the what worries me, and because there's companies like ours that you don't don't get started by a native who loves a city. And, and how does a company that is big, that isn't in love, going to um, suffer through it? Um, what makes me optimistic is that it's so easy to love the city. <laughs> um, and if you, can, if you can get seduced into the city, then, um, then it presents a lot of advantages. It's, it's a... Um, you know, I love the customer. I love put, I love that our customer teams are here in New Orleans um, because we are great with customers here and great with people. I think that New Orleans has a huge opportunity around building customer centers for um, customer facing centers for for big companies. Um, I think we have great tech talent and a great community here that is able to feed off one another 
and brings very creative energy that is different than the energy and the, the ideas that you get in other cities. Um, I think there's immense loyalty to companies. Um, we've had immense loyalty to level set um, versus um, these other cities where there's a lot of shiny objects all the time. This city has a lot of grit and that's a lot of a good part of loyalty, which is there, you know, if you, when we suffer through all these things, there's a lot to suffer through and build in a company. And, um, and that the city has that in spades. So there's, you know, those, those core qualities, those are really good, valuable things that can, that can make more successes like level set. Um, and we just have to overcome, we have to overcome all those worries and, um, get smarter. The city has to get smarter about how value, how value is being created all over the world and all over the country. Um, we may see a $500 million price tag on this thing and think, wow, that's a lot of money, but really it's, it's actually not. Um, with respect to how much money is being printed in all these cities. And, and, and New Orleans has to get smarter about understanding how this kind of value, because we, can, we have a lot of ingredients and goods to deliver into that. And a lot of, um, we, have a, we can make our claim on more and more prosperity um, and this world has a lot of prosperity and this country has a lot of prosperity um, that we could get, uh, we should upgrade our seat with respect to, to that. That's great. Well, Scott Wolf, congratulations on the record setting exit. And Thank I'm you. glad that doesn't mean you're exiting the city. I'm glad you guys are doubling down and staying here and, uh, and going to continue to do good work. So uh, it was really a, a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Rich. Good to talk. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.